What a powerful, moving warning and caution. It goes with two things. It goes with Black History Month and seeing how God has led a people through their challenge and brought them to a place where they could hear the gospel and embrace the gospel. It also goes with the message today and our reading today comes from Matthew chapter 24. I invite you to turn there with me. And as I read, you just think about that song, It's Going to Rain. Matthew 24, if you don't have a Bible of your own, our ushers have Bibles available. Just raise your hand or bring one to you that you can use throughout your service. Let's all stand in respect to the reading of God's holy word. Matthew 24. Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, You see all these, do you? You see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. They will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken, by the, spoken of by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. Pray that your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulation, such as, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now, no and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then... If anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there he is, 
Do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. So if they say to you, look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the, the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branches become tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. <coughs> but concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the meal, one will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Such an awesome, powerful warning and message from Christ. May the Holy Spirit help us get understanding and apply this properly uh, in our lives today.
Let's bow for our time of prayer. We thank you, Father, for the special song, It's Gonna Rain, the warning that you give in your word today. You give warning for a reason. You want us to listen and heed. You want us to be alert and live our lives to your honor, your glory. Not to waste our time with frivolous things that won't matter, but to put you first in your kingdom. We pray, Lord, that you would teach us to do this. Be with your people. We thank you for gathering us together. We thank you for Brother Willie Wallace, who's here back with us, able to fellowship with us again. Thank you for the safety of trip of his trip, he and Mickey, and we thank you for bringing them back again. And we pray for others who are on the trip now. We think of Lawrence and Charmone, Andy and Chantel. We just pray your protection and blessing to allow them to return safely. We continue to pray for Sister Brenda Adams. We pray for um, that you would just encourage her heart, that you would help us to stay in contact with her, to encourage her to let her know that you have not abandoned or forsaken her and that you are still working. We pray for that work in her own body, for healing, for protection, for encouragement in her. We pray for her family, for her husband as well. You would draw him closer to you. And now, Lord, we pray for this message and your word. We pray um, as the choir comes to, to uh, sing that you would prepare our hearts for your word and you teach us from your word what you'd have us to see and what you'd have us to know that we would be those who endure and are faithful through the challenges of life and the challenges of this time we pray this now in jesus name amen amen Matthew 24, look at today. Let's understand the setting here, first of all. Jesus is leaving the temple with his disciples after the debates and the warnings and the woes that he's given. Remember, he's come into Jerusalem riding lowly on a colt, on a donkey, and he's, he's come into the temple <coughs> Let me say this once. You have to excuse me. My throat is a little dry today. I've had been fighting with some, some challenges there. So I'll cough and take a sip every now and then to get me through. <laughs> it's just Gatorade. <laughs> Y'all ain't right. Y'all ain't right. <laughs> All right, so we see the setting here. Jesus is, he has come into the temple. He has preached there. He's been challenged. He's answered every one of those challenges. And now he's leaving. And after he gets away, excuse me, as he's leaving, the disciples come and ask him, 
It says his disciples come to point out to him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus makes this response. He basically tells them this. The temple's going to be destroyed. Now, the, the Jews have a proud heritage. And they're very proud of this temple. It's a symbol of God's dwelling on earth with his people. God is, dwells in heaven, but he's come to make his presence known at times with humans in the temple that he had them to build to meet with him there. God communes, he connects, he communicates with his people here. The temple is also a symbol of the presence of the glory of God. God's presence with his people. There's only one temple, and it was in this one city in Jerusalem. And it was the place where God's people were to come and to gather and to meet. And in fact, people did. So the Jews were very proud of this heritage and this icon, this building. We have various structures around the world that we look to, the pyramids, the Great Wall of China, the Eiffel Tower, the Statue of, Liv the Statue of Liberty, the Empire State Building, the Sears Tower, now called the Willis Tower, <coughs> the World <coughs> Trade Center, used to be the Twin Towers, it's an icon things that we looked at and have a lot of history and a lot of meaning to us. And so it was with the temple. And the disciples are walking with Jesus, and they're saying, do you see this temple? I mentioned it's, 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 it's one, there's only one temple. There wasn't many temples. It was just this one in Jerusalem, a temple was a collection of buildings as a part of this place, and they were admiring the various parts or buildings of this temple. And it's at that point, oh, thank you. It's at that point Jesus says, thank you, brother, that don't get carried away. It's not going to stay here. It's not going to be around much longer. And as he continues moving away from Jerusalem, he's on the outskirts now on the Mount of Olives in verse 3. They come to him privately. And that reminds me that in the temple he was speaking with his disciples, but in a more public setting. And now he's come, come outside of that. And his, his uh, disciples, that term would refer to that group of 12 who were to be apostles are now asking him this question. He asked two questions. When will this happen, and what will be the signs that it's happening, the signs of the end of the world? When will the temple be destroyed, and what are the signs that are in place for the end times? 
<laughs> and that's what this chapter is, an answer to those two questions. When and what are the signs? Jesus is going to give us in this chapter some general signs and warnings, some more specific ones as well, and give us an outline of what happens at the end of the age. This is a very fascinating topic, as you can imagine. The disciples are very much interested in, in this topic, and even today, we are very much interested in this topic. There's a lot of learning, there's a lot of discussion, there's a lot of fear and intimidation about the topic itself. Some people are fascinated with revelation, and some people are afraid of revelation. But God wants us to understand. He, he lets us know certain things for a purpose so that we'll know what his plan is, have confidence in what, he's, what his plan is, and to know that he is in control. Some people have great anxieties as they read through the Bible and, and, and as they read through passages like this. God has not given that to us to be anxious about. In fact, he's given it to us for the, the, the opposite reason, that we might understand some of the things before they come so that when they do come, they don't blow us away. They don't send us into fits. We know what God is doing, and we know that he is still in control. That's what Jesus is doing with his disciples here. He's saying, look, don't be alarmed when these things start to happen. Know that I've told you them before they happen, so you'll understand what my plan is and what's going on. So let's look at some of the things he mentioned, starting at verse 4. The first is a caution. See that no one leads you astray. With much, much interest in this topic, there's many opinions, and there's a lot of error. Why? Because there's so much deceit that's coming. He says people are going to come, and, and, and they're going to come in the name of Christ, saying, I am the Christ. I'm the one sent from God. And, and, and why is that? People love to be somebody's hope. They want to be the ones sent from heaven, sent from God. They want to, to, to be the one that brings hope to individuals. They want people to trust them, to believe in them, to follow them. He says, be aware or beware of that. Many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. They will lead many astray. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you not, are not alarmed. Would you underline that in your mind at least? See that you are not alarmed. He's saying chaos is coming. Wars and rumors of wars. Well, sometimes what's worse than the wars is the rumors. All the information, what might happen next and what's going on with this and what's going on with that and we can lay on our beds awake at night with eyes wide open, having anxious thoughts. And he says, see that you're not alarmed. He wants, God wants his people to know something of what's going to come, 
but to put their trust in him and not to live out of fear. Satan is the master of chaos, calamity, and he brings that to just to strike fear in people. We just, I was going to say as a nation, but not just as a nation, as an entire world, we went through this COVID, COVID a- a- epidemic and, and the fear. So you could see how people were acting out of fear and doing things out of extreme fear. God wants us to act and to walk understanding his way and his purpose. So there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be political unrest as we have today. Our, the world is, is, is just kind of like set. It seems like any small thing can trigger all types of stuff. Where are you with that? How, how, how do you balance? How do you work through those things. Here's how you work through it. Understand who you are in God. Understand what God is doing and trust Him. Walk in trust. In trust of Him. You can't trust your government. You can't always trust the medical advice you get. You can't trust the economy and what's happening. You can't trust the job. You might be there today and gone tomorrow. What you can trust and who you can trust is God. And he calls you to trust in him. So I pray as we go through this, you'll you'll see that picture. (coughs) He says coming. So so some of the general warnings and signs is the deceit that's going to be coming, the chaos and the anxiety. Verse 9, the persecution. It says they will deliver you up to tribulation. You'll be hated by all nations. Keep in mind who Jesus is talking to. This is a smaller group, but he's talking to his disciples. But his disciples represent two groups. Two groups. They represent, first of all, the Jews. Every one of them were Jews. And God is Jesus has called them to himself, and he is speaking to them, and they have a connection. But they also represent the foundation of the church. In Ephesians 2, the apostles laid the foundation for the church. Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone. And so Jesus is talking about His people, the people of God, not just the Jew, but the church itself. He says, they're going to persecute you. You'll be hated by all nations. Get to that a little later. Verse 10 through 12, you'll see unfaithfulness and betrayal. Then many will fall away. It's one thing about challenges and chaos. They just really show us for who we are. And those challenges that we face show us if if our trust is anchored in God or not. So there'll be many that fall away. It's not like they had it all and then, you know, Satan came and stole it from them and they don't have faith anymore. No, they never had it. They fall away when they're tested and even either proven to be true or proven to be not real, not genuine. 
many will fall away. Because many false, verse 11, many false prophets will arise. It says, verse 12, the love of many will grow cold. Why? Because lawlessness will be increased. And we see that even today, don't we? Lawlessness is increased and, and many give up or <coughs> their love grows cold for doing what is right. But look at verse 13. It says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Turn it around and show you what that means. Those who endure are the true saved ones. The characteristic of endurance shows who you really are. Those who are true, those who are trusting in, in Christ, will in fact endure to, until the end. And then we see God's plan, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So he says, you're going to hear wars and rumors of wars, but the end is not yet. And then he says, all these things are going to happen, and then the gospel is going to be proclaimed in all the world, and then the end will come. Now, as you look at this, you, 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 if you're like me, you've got to wonder, well, now, wait a minute. Hasn't that been fulfilled? Isn't, in fact, the gospel gone out to every part right now? Isn't the gospel pretty much has, has, has cut through borders and, and is in nations and, and individuals are exposed all over? I think the answer to that is yes. And we can say that Jesus could be coming at any time. We need to recognize that. We need to see that. So he gives us some general conditions and warnings as to when this end is going to come. But they're given in such a way that, that we have to see that we are living in end times right now. And we can't discount that this could be we are ripe right now for these things to be happening. It's something about the future. You know, we have this fascination with the future, but God always shows that He's in control, and he knows that, and we don't. And so we, we're always trying to figure it out. One of the ways you can learn a false prophet is they, they, be, they become very um, arrogant in, with their knowledge, thinking that they have this great knowledge. They're always telling you the dates and when something is going to happen, and, and they're, they're, they're sure of it until that date comes, and then it doesn't happen. the scene is set. And that's what he's saying. The scene is set. Let's tackle that next portion. Verses 15 through 28. He gives us more specific signs of his coming. The end of the age. He says this thing about abomination of desolation. That's spoken of by the prophet Daniel. You can read a lot of books and get a lot of input on, on what this is, but here's what it is in general. It's, attack, it's an attack on God's people and their values. Something will be done publicly that is an open desecration to God's people. 
This will signal an open worldwide persecution. Abomination, desolation was sometimes said to be something in the temple or in the sacred places done that is just a desecration of the temple or abomination to what God's people hold as holy. Whatever that specific thing is, it's an attack on God's people, an attack on their values, what they hold as dear. Jews have been a symbol of God's people, and so they're targeted for persecution. That shouldn't um, pass our notice even today. I think there are people today who are persecuting the Jews and don't even know why they hate the Jews so much. The biblical reason is they hate them because they represent God's people. Now, you would say, you and I would say, well, now, wait a minute. They don't really trust in Christ. They, don't, they aren't really the true people of God in that sense, and they don't trust Christ. They are not. But they've represented for a long time God's people, and they are targets for persecution. Believers today are God's people. And they are targets themselves for persecution. And we're going to see that happen. We see it happening today. We'll see it happening more and more and more. As I mentioned before, the group of people that Jesus is talking to are the apostles, and they represent both of those groups uniquely. And we can look in Acts, and we can actually see the persecution that happened in that time, and that's just a foretaste of all that's going to happen towards the end. What kind of persecution is this? He gives us some insight. He says in verse 16, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. People are going to have to run from this attack and this persecution. <coughs> There won't be time for them to pack, and they should not delay. In verse 17 and 18, he makes that clear. In verse 19, their flight to safety will be difficult, especially for women with small children. In verse 21, he makes this clear. It's going to be an unprecedented persecution. Then there will be great tribulation such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now. No and never will be. This persecution that is coming on God's people. The threat is immediate. No time to delay. They are to fly or to travel or to flee persecution as fast as they can. But look at verse 22. It says, and if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. In other words, God is going to provide, I like what the, what the choir say, uh, what the special music today and the choir, God is able to hide us from the rain. He's able to deliver. You see, a, a measure of his grace in the midst of persecution so that Individuals can bear what's happening to them. 
provision of his grace to endure. Verse 23, we see again, the, de the deceit and the false prophets will abound. If anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. Why? For false Christs and false prophets will arise. So they'll be coming out the woodwork, and what? They're going to be real. They're going to be performing signs and wonders. They're going to do things that are going to make people say, whoa, that's power. That's real. Well, Satan has power. He is real. Doesn't mean you should worship and honor them for what they do. But deceit is going to be coming, and it's going to be to the point where even, it says, I love this phrase, if it were possible, they'd deceive the very elect, but that's not possible. God's people won't be taken by all this. Why? Because Christ gives warning to us now and causes them to see the truth. Notice what he tells them. verse 26. So if they say to you, look, he's in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it. In other words, there are going to be many claims trying to duplicate and claim that Christ has come. We've seen that already. People today say Christ has already come and, and uh, you know, he, he, the Jehovah Witnesses were famous for this, but it, it's not just them. Individuals of all kinds, all types of false prophets have made claims that, that Christ is going to come at this time or he has already come. <clears throat> Jesus says, don't listen to that because I'm going to give you a sure sign that you will know when he comes. What is that sign? Verse 27, he says, here it is. As lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. What is he saying? This is going to be a visual, huge, climactical event. When, when it happens, everybody will see this. It's not a secret, not done in secret. He says, I'm going to do it in such a way, he says, just like lightning that shines or starts in the east and is visible all the way throughout the skyline. Jesus' return is going to be that way. So don't be fooled about the speculation. Don't be fooled about the misinformation. When it happens, he says, you will know. Now, some people say, well, well, well how is that? I thought it's going to... <coughs> people won't, won't know and, and, and won't understand that it's on the way. They won't understand that it's on the way. They'll be ignorant of it. But when it actually happens, it's going to be unmistakable. And they will see. He makes this very clear point. As lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then he makes a phrase that many people have pondered what it means. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. I'm not going to attempt to answer that now. I have some thoughts on what that means. But the point is, when it comes to end times, you're not going to understand everything there. God didn't intend for you to understand it all. 
He intends for you to, to have a basic understanding of what he's doing so that you might trust in him. In fact, later on in this chapter, you're going to say, you're going to see, he says, I've told no person the exact time. No one knows the time, the day, or the hour. But I'm telling you this to warn you that you might prepare your hearts and be ready. Let's continue on to this more specific information, verses 29 through 31. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, he says you're going to see some very specific warning and signs. You're going to see some catastrophic events. The sun darkened, the moon dimmed, the stars fall from heaven. Now whether that's the stars that we see in the sky or it could be actually angels or demons coming from the heavenlies. It says after that the powers of heavens will be that the power of the heavens will be shaken. I think that has to do with that as well. But we're seeing some, some catastrophic events both physical and spiritual, that are giving indication that something big is about to happen. Then in verse 30 it says this, Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. In other words, I don't know exactly what that sign is, but it's getting ready, and, and God is going to, whether it's an announcement, or maybe it's the trumpets, whatever it is, God is going to, going to let it all out. And his son is ready to appear. It says all the tribes of the earth will mourn. I get the sense that they have gathered. Revelation kind of clues us in that they've gathered themselves to fight against God, to fight against what he's doing, and they're trying to persecute his people, but Christ will come and rescue his people. It says, all the tribes of the earth will mourn, in verse 30, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven. They will see. It is a visual thing that everyone, every eye will see. It will be unmistakable, Christ's return. In fact, I'll call it this. This is the greatest appearance in history. Jesus came the first time in an obscure way. He came as a little baby, and angels had to announce it, and people had to go and find him where he was. The second time he comes, won't be any of that. Won't be any need for, well, I wonder if that's him, or where would you think he'd be? Let's see if we can follow a star that will guide us to his stable. No, there he is. All will see. It says he's coming on the clouds of heaven. In other words, in the air where you, you, you'll be drawn to that. Your attention will, will be drawn to it. And it says this, with power and great glory. He's not sneaking in. He's not coming like he came into Jerusalem, lowly and humble and riding on a mere donkey. He's not coming like he came in the first advent as a little baby. He's coming in full glory and power and splendor. 
Revelation describes this again and again and again. It's an announcement from heaven and his appearance on earth. The king is making his appearance and his entrance, and he's taking charge. It's interesting that all this teaching that Jesus is doing in the temple, now he's doing it privately with his disciples. This is but, I mentioned before, is but days before his crucifixion and resurrection. He is preparing his disciples for what he has in mind and what the Father has planned, and he's talking about his kingdom. And he's saying, look, don't get hung up on this temple and all these buildings here because they mean nothing. They're going to all be thrown down, torn apart, but I'm going to come. And when, I'm gonna, when I come, everyone will know it. And everyone will see. You're going to hear rumors and people are going to wonder, did he come over there? Did he land on the mountains? Is he over here? No. When I come, everybody's going to see it. And then he says this. Take the lesson of the fig tree in verse 32 through 35. And it's a very simple lesson there. When you see all these things, know that the time is near. That's his lesson. When you see all these things developing, know that the season has come and the time is near. Now, see, today people want all these specifics, so they, they want somebody to tell them, hey, look, tomorrow is going to come, or the year, or the time. He says, when you see these things developing, know that it's near. And what we can say today is, we see all this developing. Will we be so ignorant as to not know that the time is near? Now, what does near mean? Just that. He leaves it intentionally vague. We have scholars and people today think that they can search out and get more specific than God has given. You're wasting your time. He's given us the specifics he intends for us to have for the very reason, and now he goes into that reason. Let's take a few moments to look at that. In verses 36 on, no one knows the day or the hour. Intentionally, God has kept specifics from mankind and even spiritual world. The angels don't know. In other words, good and bad. Angels and demons, Satan himself does not know the specifics of God's plan. I'm not telling you not to study and not to read God's word, but stop trying to find things that God ain't telling you. He's not going to tell you those details. You like to think, well, I'm smarter than the other person. I'm going to get it. I'm going to solve the riddle. God has some things that he has kept to himself, and he will not disclose. And there's a reason for that. Here, the re in this section right here, let's go on. <coughs> the lady sang that song, It's Gonna Rain. He says, it's gonna be like the days of Noah. <coughs> what, 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 what is common in the days of Noah? The people were adequately warned. It, it wasn't it wasn't some kind of ve uh, a veiled message. We don't know something's going to happen, but we don't know exactly. No, it's going to rain. They just didn't know what rain was. They had never seen 
physical rain before. But God says, look, water is going to come from the sky to the point where it's going to fill up everything. Now, they knew what bodies of water were. They knew what seas and lakes and oceans were. But they didn't have this idea of rain coming from the sky as it does now. But Noah clearly communicated, it's going to rain. And not just a little bit of dew and moisture on the ground, it's going to flood. In other words, the, the warning of disaster was clear. The timing was unsure and indefinite. And they didn't know when. But that's God's grace. God is allowing people to believe and to repent and to, to change their lives. We think if God says it's going to be Tuesday on this day at this hour, that other people would change their minds and repent. They will not. Lazarus in Luke chapter 16 and the rich man rich man in hell lifted up his eyes and he says Father Abraham if you could send someone from the dead then they would believe he said no mm -mm. if they won't believe the prophets and my word they won't believe even though someone was sent from the dead and by the way that's actually been tested because Jesus did come from the dead Jesus was raised from the dead, and still today, people are denying that he is real, even though they can point to no other person ever alive who said he was going to die and said he would raise himself again and made that happen. So even though he has done that, people are still in disbelief. God gives a broad warning with an indefinite time. And he causes people to believe what he says. He's a man of his word. He means what he said. The other thing is, people think because God has delayed that he's going to continue to delay. That's just the sinfulness of man's heart. So Jesus says, no man knows the day or the hour, but it's going to be like the days of Noah. And what had happened in the days of Noah is they continued to live in spite of the warning, in spite of getting closer and closer and closer and closer to the day. They continued to live day after day their same old lifestyle. All the way up to the day that it started to rain. And then it was too late. The story of Noah would tell us it is God who closed the door on the ark and Noah had no way of opening it from the inside. God's judgment was set and final. The warning had been given. It had gone unheeded and the rains came. The same way will happen as in the days of Noah. People are living today like we are the fools for telling them that God is going to judge sin once and for all. 
and he's sending his son to, to set everything in order. We're the fools. And you know what? If that wasn't true, we would be the fools. Why do we give up living and going after all the things of life? Why don't we go after what they go after? If this world is all that there is, that's what we should be going for. And we'd be fools to sacrifice and not go after those things the best way we can. But ah, we're not fools. We're obediently listening to the warning that God gives. So he says this. I'm telling you this, why? Verse 30, verse 42, therefore stay awake, be alert, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. The message to us today is to be faithful, knowing that what God has said is true. We don't know all the details. We don't know all the specifics, and we certainly don't know the timing, but we know Jesus is clear. He's coming back, and what he's going to do when he comes back. He is clear on that. And he's left a lot that is not detailed and specific in terms of timing for a very good reason. He says, I expect you to wait faithfully. To wait faithfully. Have you ever been on a bus stop or at a bus station or train station or at the airport and you're waiting for the train to come? Now, at some point, or maybe you're waiting for Uber ride or, or driver or, or, or delivery, but at some point, it's easy to say, they ain't coming. I, I'm done with this. I'm going back inside, or, or I'm, I'm, I'm going to look at another route. I'm, I'm going to look at another alternative. I don't believe they're coming, and so it will affect my action, what I do, my behavior. You see, if I don't trust the bus system and it's supposed to be here at 1044 and here I am, it's 1046 and it ain't come yet, I'm going to do something else. But see, God didn't say 1044. He said, I'm going to be there. And I want you to be faithful until I come. Now, do you believe God or not? Here it is. <clears throat> true faith, and I'm going to end with this. True faith produces faithfulness. If you believe that the word of God is true, you will pattern your life and you will live a life of faithfulness as a result of what God has said. It really is that simple. God didn't say you have to go to school and master revelation. In the Old Testament, and then you believe him. The reason why I read and, and I'm fascinated is because I believe God. And I'm, I'm like, wow, what, what, how does this all fit in? I want to I, I know. If I didn't believe it, why would I read it and study it even more? I get so much stuff in the mail from people. And I look at the envelope and I look at the heading. Brian knows and sometimes I can look at the first three words and just throw it out. Like, this is an idiot. Why did he write me this? I don't even want to read. It's 10 pages of junk. I don't even want to read it. 
fight to toss it. They are so confused. And the message is so twisted. But God gives a message that is clear, but the timing is left without precision for a very good reason. He's calling us to believe, have faith, and then thus live faithfully. That's all Jesus called us to do now. Disciples, I've already told you I'm on my way to Jerusalem and I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be raised again the third day. Now he's in Jerusalem and they know any day now I am preparing you for the rest of God's plan so that you might faithfully take this gospel out. You need to know that God's judgment is here. Here it is. The world doesn't trust God's word and doesn't believe it. And so when, when, when God gives his judgment there, they're not listening to that. It's our job to take it seriously and to continue to warn them of God. Give them caution of God. And what happens is we don't believe it and we live our lives just like they live in. And they go, yeah, well, I guess it ain't true. Because those who say they trust God aren't living any differently than anybody else. True faith results in faithfulness. God is calling us to faithfulness. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that you give us enough to know. And, let, and yet you leave some things that we don't understand, some details that we'll never have. You give us enough to show that you're real, to show that you can be trusted and your word needs to be taken seriously. Your warning needs to be heeded. Help us to heed it first of all in our lives and then live in such a way that we can warn others to turn to you, to repent, to trust in Christ, to look for the only hope that man has and that is Son of Man coming to set things straight so we pray we might be faithful in this job you call us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before we close, we have communion today, so I'm going to ask our leaders if they will come forward preparing our table for communion. What an appropriate time to remember Christ, his death, his resurrection, his promise to return. Remember the sacrifice that he made for us and how he's going to complete what he's promised to do.